Today's program is brought to you by Whole Foods Market, a dynamic leader in the quality food business, a mission-driven company that aims to set the standards of excellence for food retailers. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. Hey, 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 I'm Jimmy Carboni from Beer Sessions Radio. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sharp and Hot. I am your host, Chef Emily Peterson, coming to you live from Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn. This is episode number 68. We had a guest scheduled to come in, and like many of us, he fell ill. Mm. And so we have no guest, so it is Anne and I. Hi, Anne. Hey. So we have a listener question for you later in the show, and we're going to talk. Let's start Super Bowl. Did you watch the Super Bowl? Yeah. I did. I went to my parents' house, and yeah, we had just a few people over. I had people over. My in-laws who live across the street came over, and my friends, your friends came from the other side of town, and we made wings, and I made pulled pork. I had a pulled pork revelation. Okay. <laughs> Jack, are you listening? Oh, I'm here. Okay, we have Jack in the booth. Yeah, I'm here. So I made the Momofuku pork recipe, which is you rub the pork butt in equal parts salt and sugar and let it rest for minimum six hours, maximum 24. And then I had to cook it for six hours, and you're supposed to baste it every hour for six hours. And I didn't have time because I had to leave the house. So I put it in my slow cooker with nothing, no liquid, just just the pork. Okay. That was it. I was going to chop up a bed of onions or something for it to sit on, and I didn't have time. It's the best pulled pork. Not on a smoker. Like, it doesn't have the, like, smoker. Mm-hmm. It, it's not August. We haven't been sitting outside drinking beer all day. It's not that <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> But if you have a slow cooker, just put it in there, and then six, eight hours on low, and it was, like, falling apart. I was just at a birthday party at Sambar, and they did the pork butt thing. So I'm, like, familiar with the Did you put the, the oysters before. in and the whole nine? Yes. Yeah, that, that's that the real way to do it, because they serve oysters, and, and if you take, like, one of the big lettuce leaves, put a little bit of rice, uh, you know, nice helping of pork and an oyster too you're really talking we did that once when they first opened we had a friend who was all about it and this was before none of us had kids and we were like let's go and do it we did it on a sunday afternoon are you you don't okay so we have a we have a confessional um point in the show coming up in a minute which <laughs> I, won't, I won't give it away but i uh, i know the answer to the question of whether or not you have done the pork butt at sambar <laughs> no i have not <laughs> so let's see what else we played um settlers of Catan, which if you want to feel like a real old nerd it's like the dungeons and dragons that the kids are playing and it's amazing oh, awesome. are the kids such playing? a good game you played it of course i love it so it's what awesome. have you played it in no but my brother is a dungeon master like from the 70s like <laughs> straight up no, like writes characters and all that it's shit. way less involved than all that it's stuff. way less involved <laughs> but why is it so compelling every time we play it we've been playing it now like every weekend for years and we're like why is this so compelling good game i like a few years ago i was in a i mean we would play pretty often me and my friends I love it. You and pick if a different you, strategy every time. Right? You know? Yeah. Go for the development like, cards only. See if you can win that way. <laughs> yeah. I really feel like, oh my God, I'm, I'm like, I am a nerd. I am really a nerd. I feel like people, so I've heard this a lot from people that I trust. So I think like it's, I'm <laughs> starting to be sold on it. I don't really understand it, but I think I want to try it out for sure. I think you should totally try it. And I will tell you when you become a fan and Jack Etsy has full categories of people who have made like 
handcrafted boards. Like you can get 3D. Like so, each of the squares that you play on is a different resource, and okay. you have to like either buy the resources or tra- you trade for the resources, or you get them when you roll the dice. It's not that complicated, but <laughs> <laughs> see, I like the okay. negotiating aspect of right? it. I really like that. See, oh man, if uh, we could really nerd out, and I could tell you how I just annihilated my husband. Oof. It was great. We both were building to the same trading port, and he. Bought, he he negotiated for a brick, and the next person who built the road was going to get the trading for it. Guys, it sounds intense. <laughs> it's really intense, and there's like junk food involved. So this was your Super Bowl. This was pre Super Bowl. Oh, this was wow, our okay. pregame, and um, sounds pretty heavy. It was pretty heavy, <laughs> and then we get into that game, which myself and Eddie, our Catan buddy, okay. uh, he and his wife Annika, who I absolutely adore, she was so bored because football. She was like. I promised her that we would watch a, like a Dame Judi Dench marathon as like a as a thank you for letting us all watch the Super Hilarious. Bowl. <laughs> I don't know. I watched the Super Bowl. I think for me, favorite part, Missy Elliott. Man, she just like stole that show. I was like, you heard it in the background. I was like, is that going to be Missy? Is right. That, I, was, I got very excited about that. How one. did you feel about Katy Perry? I thought she was like she. It was like a solid choice for the Super Bowl. Yeah, I love. I think like she. That's what she does. That's her thing. She right. does stadiums really, really well. I think seeing it on camera makes it a little weird. Like I think the like magnificence of the animatronic or like the puppet tiger is lost on a camera where you don't mm-hmm. like. You don't have the thrill of everybody else like getting revved up to watch it. But I loved. I mean, everyone was making fun of the dancing sharks. I thought it was so wacky and like it was. But I it's loved it. Perfect. It's like you've like everyone from like grandma to kindergarten like watching it. So it's like I don't know. It was it's good the for most the Super inoffensive Bowl. thing possible. Right. <laughs> sure, My confession is that I didn't watch it. You didn't watch the halftime right. show. I didn't watch the Super Bowl. Not at all. I turned it on. Funny enough, I was like, "Oh right, Super Bowl," and then I turned it on with my girlfriend with one minute remaining. In the game, so right before the big moment, crazy. I saw only the big moment at the end, and I was like, "Wow!" It's really the only moment that mattered. <laughs> I, that's what I figured. You know, I gave. I'm a diehard Knicks fan, so I watch a lot of basketball, and I, like, I feel like I, there's only enough room in my life for one sport <laughs> yeah, commitment. You know, I can't. That. I can't that. do the rest. Nice. So I didn't realize that I sort of grew up. And I don't know if it's because I had like I had a lot of guy friends or like we played flag football in high school, but like I grew up and I know the rules of football, so I can follow along and I actually enjoy it. And then my sister in law went to University of Alabama for graduate school, which like they live and breathe the Crimson Tide, and so it gave us something to do on Saturdays in the fall. It was like we'll eat wings and watch. Like it was completely arbitrary. If she'd gone to Wisconsin, we would have been. I don't even know if. It was, that is what? ice falling that's off. falling off the that's roof <laughs> of Roberta's, you guys. So if you've never been to Roberta's, there's um, a garden that's enclosed by the radio station uh, containers, and the, t- the roof is made out of corrugated <laughs> plastic, and sheets of ice are just falling. The first time it happened, everyone hit the deck like, and it, like it was terrifying. Diners are nervous. <laughs> but now no, one, no one's even flinching now. But it is a little alarming when it happens. Um so yeah, my husband and my kid, everybody left at halftime, which was great because okay. I usually go to bed at like 8.30 or 9 o'clock. My <laughs> husband and my kid both fell asleep. I watched the last couple of minutes and it was a great game. It was a great game. Although I anything that I read about it or listened to going into it, the Patriots had to win. Like there was a no, It was a no-win situation for Seattle. If Seattle won, the story would still be about the Patriots. So 
I can't believe I am talking on my own radio show about yeah, football. Yeah, I think, oh, wow. and, I and the Patriots. I think we should, like, I don't know. Guys. I know. I was like, a Seahawks fan. Like, I was firmly in it from <laughs> the Seahawks to win. But. <laughs> and they effed that And up. they effed yeah. that up. Now, my father has always, like, you know, preached that all sports are completely fixed. That in order for, like, the gambling system to make any money for anybody, okay. it's got to be fixed. Which is, like, wh- that's, like, one step away from wearing a tinfoil helmet, I think. But, um... I don't know. Then you see something like that happen. It's like, well, maybe. Yeah, like who made that? Call? Yeah, who I don't know. Maybe dad's. You know, maybe dad is right. Could be onto something. I don't know. He could be onto something. So, um, we mentioned. Oh, see, I just sucked my teeth. I've been really good about not sucking my teeth, and I just did it. Sorry, listeners. Uh, <laughs> I mentioned that I was having book plates made and note cards made by the Southern Letter Press, who are a print shop in Birmingham, Alabama, and soon to be in New Orleans, and also in, oh, I want to say, she's going to kill me, I want to say St. Petersburg, Florida. Okay. Um, They are graduates of the bookmaking, it's my sister-in-law, they graduated from the University of Alabama, book arts degrees, and they started their own really, really cool custom letterpress shop so they do like wedding invitations and anything Christmas invitations Christmas cards whatever you need so when I was thinking about this whole like let's get people to take pictures of their recipes Mm -hmm. a little incentive is I have stacks of cookbooks at home and I will send them to people and so to personalize them I asked Jessica if she would make me some book plates she did and they are totally adorable they're like four inch circles and they're brown craft paper stickers and on the bottom is the logo and then it's there's a line and it says this book belongs to and then I'll like write people's name in and send it to them so I have the first two books are ready to go out very I'm gonna cool. send one to listener David listener David um, messaged me a while ago when we had uh, no I'm sorry listener Chris when we had David Venable on sorry David you're sorry, out whoever David, you're you are out. listener David <laughs> <laughs> sorry so you gotta send him another picture bro sorry <laughs> Listener Chris, who loves David Venable, who was our QVC guest a couple of months ago, for Christmas, his friend took him on a backstage tour of QVC, and he's like over the moon, and I saw that on, I think he put it on Facebook or Instagram, and so I'm going to send him David Venable's cookbook with the book plate in it, and um, our Kaiserschmarrn uh, Instagram, hashtag sharp and hot, um, CC Stamper is getting, I'm going to send her one called In a Nutshell, which is a cookbook that... I will never cook from, I mean, until my son leaves for high school, or at least for college. <laughs> high, well, I guess in high school, he'll be smart enough. We'll not send him out. No. We'll send him out. <laughs> out in the world, kid. Go and you keep. So um, I'm hoping that we can generate some some buzz and listener uh, interest. Very cool. I mean, I would want one of those book plates. I'm, I'm, I like want to stick them all in my own books, but I only got 50 mates. So I, I don't have enough for my own collection. They're for you only, listeners. And, like, and I'll literally be like, this book belongs to Emily. This book belongs to Emily. Like, I'm in third grade. Nice. <laughs> right next to my, like, puffy My Little Pony sticker. <laughs> so um, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I have a listener question. And then we're going to get on the line uh, a friend of ours who's hosting an event that I'm part of on Thursday night at the Brooklyn Brewery. And the break song today is called Pope Mobile by Knife Show. This is Sharp and Hot.
Today's program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Are you a locavore? Our Northeast regional forager for Whole Foods Market sure is. She spends her time traveling around the New York City metro area sourcing the best new or interesting artisanal and handcrafted local products for our purchasing teams at the local store level. Part of our commitment to our local suppliers includes assisting them with the process of getting their products sold at our stores. Whether it's suggesting packaging designs, pricing, or distribution methods, she's helping some of the area's best new products reach savvy shoppers at Whole Foods Market stores. Today, New York. Tomorrow, the world. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. And we are back. This is Sharp and Hot. I am your host, Chef Emily Peterson, coming to you live from Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn, where sheets of ice are falling onto our corrugated roof, keeping us all on our toes. Let's start with our listener uh, question. This is Daniel from Scotland. Hello, Chef Emily. This is Daniel Fisher calling all the way from Scotland, seeking your advice on a knife disaster that I'm having I used one of those electric sharpeners the other day, and I put the top of the blade, and I'm trying to figure out how I can fix this. Can you help, please? Thanks. Can you call back soon? Bye. So Daniel actually emailed me this question before he recorded it, so his call cut out, but I happen to know that what he said is basically that this electric... Um, countertop sharpener chewed his blade up and it came out completely like filled with divots and it looks like a serrated knife that is a problem for a chef's knife and my advice <clears throat> number one is to get rid of the uh, tabletop electric sharpener it's a miracle product and that you get what you pay for I think right. unfortunately um, and then what you do with the knife that's now in uh, in need is you find a professional to regrind the blade entirely so you can start from scratch so when you have a chef's knife and it's two or three inches deep there's plenty of metal there and a professional will be able to just <clears throat> run it along a spinning wheel or whatever it is that's the tool that they're using and take off a sixteenth of an inch and give you back a fresh cutting surface. Um, it, you you could try to do this yourself using a whetstone that's either soaked in water or soaked in oil, but I wouldn't. I, I find it I find it to be an incredibly tedious process that is so much easier. It's so much easier to do it wrong than it is to do it right. Right. And what I would do in Scotland, I would, or anywhere, I would either go to my local butcher or fishmonger and ask them who sharpens their knives because they need to have really super sharp knives. Usually there's a cutting, a knife sharpening service. Like in the city when you work in a restaurant, there's a guy that comes in and they give you a new, they give you a box and they take your box away. So everybody, the, the knives are in constant rotation. So either use a service that's local or alternately you can go online and there are services where you can mail your knives away have them prettied up, and then they'll get mailed right back to you. Um, I use a place called the Knife Spa, which is in my neighborhood. So they're national. Anyone can send their knives to them from anywhere all over right. the country. They just happen to be in my backyard, so I can drive them, yeah. drop them Thanks. off, pick them up, save on the shipping. But it's like $6 a knife. Oh, wow. Like this is, We're not talking a huge investment of money to keep your knives in good shape. Um, and everyone should be sharpening their knives depending on how much you use them. If you use them every night, like quarterly you should have a professional sharpen your knives um <clears throat> to keep them sharp in the course of that quarter you can use what's called a honing steel which is the long 
silver rod that's that comes. what i have yeah, yeah yeah so the honing steel doesn't sharpen the knives it okay. just keeps them in shape so if you were to look at the blade of a chef's knife under a microscope it actually has microscopic teeth okay and as you are oh, i sucked my teeth again damn it <laughs> no one knows i don't hear it i don't hear it oh man as soon as i know that it's like as soon as i notice that it happens now it's like oh it's like fingernails on a chalkboard it's not too wary oh, so every time your knife blade hits a cutting surface like a plastic or wooden cutting board no one is using glass cutting boards for anything other than presentation purposes um it it will bang those knife those little microscopic teeth out of place and what the honing steel does is over the course of time it'll bring them back in to shape mm-hmm. but only so much and once they've gone past 90 degrees and you've got a dull blade there's okay. nothing the honing steel is going to do to bring it back gotcha so nice spa uh nice spa.com or it's the nice spa.com i don't get any money from them they're not a sponsor of the show although although nice chef spa. emily peace <laughs> emily at sharpenhot.com <laughs> send me an email um they're actually they're really really funny guys and i the only the, the times that i have brought them there i'm supposed to be sharpening my knives quarterly i i don't because i have we have so many knives when my husband and i got married it was one of our collections that we like that and our cookbooks we just kept them all um he, i've always dropped them off and i'm like can i have these back in like 24 hours and he's like last time it was because i was like i'm flying to california i'm gonna be on the food network and they were like oh okay that's a good excuse <laughs> So, but they'll, anybody all over the country, just they go on their website. They'll give you instructions for how to safely get them to the nice bar. In New York City, downtown, there is a place called Corin, K-O-R-I-N, and you can bring your knives there. It's super, super fancy, high-end Japanese knife store, but they do sharpen Western and Japanese knives. And, like, top of the line, I think the most expensive, like, it's like $25 to get your knife sharpened. But even that, like... We're not talking $100. Right. Like, it's not it's not that undoable. It's feasible. It's totally the, feasible. For the layman. And if you're cooking all the time, this is your main tool. This is this is it. Like, you, if you have, you can have crummy pans, you can have crummy appliances, you can have crummy plates. You cannot, You if you're going to be serious about cooking, you can't really get by, not in the long term, with a crummy knife. Now, I would say, I have, I have like, my favorite bread knife was $3 from Ikea. Like, there are, there are spaces, there is space in my life There's for some wiggle knives. room. Right. Okay. But in terms of, like, your, your chef's knife, take good care of it. Don't use an electric sharpener and use the honing blade periodically to fix it up. All right. All right. You heard it here first. Did you have a knife question? I do not have a knife question. Jack, do you have, did you have a knife question? I didn't, but coincidentally, the break song I chose, not even realizing it was by uh, a group called Knife Show. Wow. Isn't that weird? That's totally a cool coincidence. Isn't I love it? that. <laughs> All right. So let's get to your confession. Oh, okay. Sure. Well, the funny thing is that the fact that it's like even thought of as a confession, <laughs> right? I'm only setting it up that way because it's... Is because this a new segment on the show, by the way? <laughs> Confessions Weekly? Confessionals and Shark and Hunt. It's your and last or two weeks ago because we didn't have a show last week because of the snowstorm. Right, it was very confessional, if I recall. That was the Jolie, or was that three three weeks ago? Oh yeah, that was Jolie that was three weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go back and listen to the Jolie Care episode if you want to hear some real intimate confessions. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I'm only setting it up that way because um, everyone, my anyone who's listened to the show for any period of time knows that I am a huge omnivore and right. eat meat. I think almost at every meal and I have rules around the meat that I eat and the meat that I try to stay away from minus the like drunken fast food burgers that occasionally do happen. (laughs) But I, I, I believe that, um, it is completely ethical and whatever to eat meat. 
Sure. So I'm setting it up as a confession. So, listeners, no. Um, <laughs> so I think I need to give a little bit of context. I do not eat meat anymore. Um, I stopped eating meat about maybe like two years ago. I still eat fish. Um, but just to give you like some context, uh, I like was, you know, I would go out with my girlfriend for dinner and I was the let's get the hanger steak, like rare, like the bloodier, the better. Like I was carnivorous, um, to say the least. And I also come from, uh, you know, a, a a working class middle or middle class family from Queens. My dad was a butcher. Um, Your dad was a professional butcher? He was a butcher as a kid. So my parents were born in, they're like, I'm the youngest of five. So my parents are a little bit older, um, which means they have a totally different relationship with food. They were born in like the late 1930s. So people weren't, you know, asking the same questions about food, yada, yada. Um, But I told Emily off air before that when I, came out as a vegetarian to my family, it was like harder um, than coming out as gay. Um, so they, yeah, so it was I definitely um, interesting. When you told me that, that's, that's one of the funniest, I mean like, and I'm sure, like, I don't mean to minimize your experience, but I can like totally see your family dynamic in that story, and I love it. It was definitely level um, with that, I mean of course, no, it was not harder, um, <laughs> but it was definitely, you know, what do you mean, you're not eating meat, what do you eat, you didn't just, that's it, like you're going to starve, what's happening, um, <laughs> but I think for me, it, it was very gradual, it was a really gradual experience, um, I started reading more and more about food and, you know, watching, like, documentaries and everything like that and just started questioning where and where my food came from. So it was, okay, what farm is this meat coming from and are there hormones, antibiotics? So it started narrowing down over the years. Um, And then I just, you know, I'd been to Mexico and I went to, like, this great farm and they were going to kill and slaughter this sheep for us to eat. Um, And it was never really, like, a question of, ethical in the sense of uh, like humane treatment towards animals. That really wasn't why I stopped eating meat. It was more just, I didn't want poisons in it, and I didn't want it to come from a factory farm, and I wanted to make sure I knew that it, that it was ethically raised. Um, and then I put myself to the task of watching this sheep get slaughtered, because I'm like, if I'm going to eat it, you know, i got to watch this happen. i gotta, I got to be responsible for it. Uh, and I watched it, and I just, it just, that was it. I don't know. For me, it just, it, then and there. It was just Never like, again. I don't know. I just watched the little life leave its eyes. I never thought I would be sentimental about it, especially, you know, being George Hogan's daughter. <laughs> you know, you eat your meat. Um, but yeah, and so from that point on, it's been like a couple of years now. It just, just not for me. I, you, and you know, you're, uh, you're definitely not the first person I've heard who that's their experience, who's like, I really want to see how this happens from farm to plate. And right. it's like, Oh, I don't want to do that. I can't do that anymore. Um, I've slaughtered chickens, and my brother, who's the hunter, has said there's a you know there's a leap from fins to feathers in terms of killing things. Like it's easier to kill a fish than it's a chicken, right. and then there's a leap from feathers to fur. And I have not made the leap from feathers to fur yet, but I'm I have enough deer in my garden in the summertime that I'm I think I could handle it. Oh, <laughs> I think I could handle it. Um, so on Thursday night at the Brooklyn Brewery, I'm going to participate in a debate. Uh, it's called the Presentation Party Night, and we're going to get the um, 
organizer on the line with us. Her name is Ashley, and she's going to answer some questions. But basically, my understanding, and I want to talk to her because I want to make sure I understand this correctly, but myself and a a couple of other people will be on a panel in front of a room full of people who have purchased a $5 ticket at (laughs) brownpaperbagtickets.com. And we are going to give a five-minute presentation on our stance of whether or not it's okay to eat meat and what are the ethical boundaries of meat consumption and then we open it up to the floor and it becomes what they have called drunk debate club and i'm super excited and also i'm a little terrified like i'm not a very confrontational person and i by nature i'm i'm i will run from conflict like water down a hill (laughs) but i think i this could bring it out in me (laughs) and i was sort of prepared by my students last semester who we had a pretty major debate about the ethics of eating cheese and I won that debate, <laughs> not and not just because I was the teacher, but because the the argument was so limited. Right. What they were arguing with me was so limited in scope and overly sentimental. Not that not that there's anything wrong, but it, basically their argument was, well, it's an environment. It boiled down to it's an environmental issue, and I was like, right, I'm not disagreeing. The answer is not to stop eating cheese. Right. It's to change your value on where you're getting your where cheese, you're getting what farmers right, are coming exactly. from. Is it sustainable? Yeah. So, sure. Jack, can we call Ashley and see if she will get her on the line? She can give us some details. Sure. Can you help me win my, my vegetarianism debate first? Sure. So my girlfriend's position is like, you know, because I couldn't kill an animal, I won't try to eat meat. Where? Because she, because she couldn't physically bring herself to do the because work Because she herself? couldn't bring herself to do it. She wouldn't be able to actually kill an animal. She said, I could fish. I would have no problem killing a fish, but I wouldn't be able to kill an animal. And that's why I won't eat meat. Well, so. then that's the fins to feathers argument. It's an arbitrary yeah. line yeah. that's been drawn. Can I extrapolate that out to the darkest, the darkest edge of that argument? Yes. Just because you can't personally do it doesn't mean that you can't employ other people to do the work for you. Like when, Jack, if you end up spending the rest of your life with this person or she with you, one of you will die first. Just because she can't undertake you and deal with your mortal remains doesn't mean that no one should. So I just I find arguments like that to be too easy to be like, well, I couldn't do it. And it's like, well, no one, not everyone's cut out for every job. I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to be a cubicle employee. I can't physically do it. It doesn't mean that I don't need a customer service representative in my Mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. So I would challenge, that's how I would challenge her argument. And winning debates, usually if you play the like dark card or the, you know, some, there are, there are some, I got some tricks up my sleeve to win Twin argument. Shut down. <laughs> nice. <laughs> like I am ready. I am ready for oh, Thursday. I feel my I'm blood. Ready. My blood pressure. I'm gonna take out. you down. I'm gonna make you cry. I'm gonna make you eat meat. <laughs> I'm gonna make you have a bloody cheeseburger on your way out. All right, here comes Ashley. We're calling. Uh oh. Hello. Hey, is this Ashley? Yes. Hey, it's Emily calling from Sharp and Hot. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. Do you have a minute to give us some background on the presentation party night? Yeah. Okay. So I'm super excited. We before we called you, we were just debating, not debating. We were laying out our arguments for. Carnivore or omnivorism versus vegetarianism. My producer and co-host Anne is a vegetarian. 
My producer and engineer, Jack, is an omnivore, but he lives with a vegetarian. So I was saying, I'm like, I'm a little intimidated, but I'm not anymore. I just got my blood pumped. I'm ready. (laughs) Awesome. So tell, what are the uh, nuts and bolts of the event? Where is it going to be? What time does it start? Um, So we're, it's being hosted at the Brooklyn Brewery. Which is an amazing um, place I've never been to. Uh-huh. I lived in Brooklyn for oh, really? 10 years, and I've never been there. I'm yeah, very it's excited. It's good space. Oh, it's, it's an awesome space. Um, lots of room. They, they still do some, like, tours there. Um, you get access to all their awesome beers. Um, it's a really nice space. Um, so it will be there. It, we have doors are at 730, and the event starts at 8. Uh, we are pre-selling tickets. They're five dollars online. Um, you can go to presentationpartynight.com, and there's a link to the tickets through Brown Paper Tickets there. Um, and they will be ten dollars at the door. The event is um, all ages, but if you're bringing someone younger than twenty-one, they will need to be with an adult. And this is an extension of a, uh, an event that you do pretty regularly in Bushwick, right? Yes, so this is an extension of Presentation Party Night. Um, It's a monthly peer lecture series that is typically hosted in Bushwick. Um, We started in a loft about four years ago with a group of friends just kind of wanting to share information and ideas, and it kind of grew from there into this larger event where um, people come and they can talk about a project they're working on or they can talk about research they've been doing or even just a subject matter that they've been really fascinated with. Um, And so we kind of give them a platform to get on stage and share with people. And we kind of just really like the idea that, you know, we all have something to teach and something to share and something to learn. And are they always about food or is it about all sorts of stuff? They're about all sorts of stuff. Um, so it really can, during our typical events, they can be, it can run the gamut. Um, we don't do a lot of curating during those events. We kind of, we let the audience kind of tell us what they want. Um, and then for this event, we decided to go with a more specific subject because we were partnering with another group called Verbal Fight Club, which is a, a kind of, um, drinking slash debate event um and together the two groups of us just kind of both have you know we obviously we love food we also are very interested in um the environment and sustainability and kind of future thinking so it became something that that as organizers we were really passionate about and we thought it would be a great opportunity to host it at the Brooklyn Brewery, where they're also very interested in, you know, food, drink, um, and what kind of is going on in that world. And so the panelists are going to set up their sort of standpoints, and then do we open it up to the floor and the audience chimes in? Yes. Yeah. So basically what we're doing is is combining the two events. Um, we'll have the, the panelists will be speaking um, more about their their stance and their background, and that'll be more of the presentation side of things. Um, and then the conversation will open up first amongst 
the panelists, and then we want to open that up to the crowd because, I mean, that's really our end goal is to get the people that came to listen to interact and to contribute to the story and the conversation. I'm super excited. Thank you so much for asking me to be part of this. I'm really, really looking forward to it. Say the website (laughs) one more time. I'm sorry? Say the website where people can get tickets one more time. Oh, sure. It's uh, presentationpartynight.com. Perfect. All right. Ashley, I'll let you go. I know that we called you in the middle of your work day. Thank you for letting me interrupt you. (laughs) And I will... Thank you. I'm so excited. Yeah. And I'll see you Thursday night. Great. All right, everybody. That's another episode of Sharp and Hot. In the books. In the books. Come and gone. Who's on next week? Do you know? Who is on next week? It's it's February 10th. Yes. February 10th. Um, We've got some great people. They are... Oh. We have, oh, I'm going to take you to, no, um, Carol Morrison um, from Food Inc., the documentary, the chicken farmer who actually worked for Tyson, um, is uh, hosting a fundraising event. Um, with Barn Razor, right? Yeah, with big, Barn Razor. Big, so big she's going to be on um, and talking about uh, kind of how, like, creating, like, a more, like, free-range operation and, like, what that looks like. That's going to be badass. Um, and then I'm, they're going to kill me. I can't remember the exact name. Um, <laughs> and is, I told, this is my fault because I totally didn't set you up for this. No, there's two folks and they are, they're super cool. Like, Edible Impacts. Um, the folks from Edible Impacts are going to be here. Um, mouths open for food curiosities and we're going to hear a lot about uh, the different projects that they are working on. Um, so I think that'll be, that's Brooke and Alex. That'll be super fun. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Everybody, thank you for listening. And uh, if you take some pictures of your food over the week, be sure to put it on Instagram, hashtag sharp and hot. You might get a book with a fancy new book plate. Fancy. Until next week, keep playing with fire and knives. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.